Before we jump in together this morning, I want to make sure that everybody has a copy of this outline in your hands. There was one in the bulletin, and just in case you need one, raise your hand. Pastor Brad is here, and he's going to go around and, and make sure you have one. These are for everybody. If you are old enough to read, actually, even if you're not old enough to read and you want to draw pictures, I want to get one of these in each of your hands. And if you happen to be a ministry team leader, when I say that, I'm talking about outreach, property and grounds, elders, diaconate. Uh, if you lead a Sunday school class, I would encourage you to take two of these. So just raise your hand if you need one. While Brad is passing those out, I want to tell you a very quick story. Last week, Christine and I had the opportunity to spend a few days in Mexico. We try really hard once a year to get away, usually to someplace warm, just so we can let our souls catch up with our bodies. We had a fantastic trip, other than the fact that I got food poisoning. First time that's ever happened to me, and I would not wish that on my worst enemy. It was the closest thing I have ever had to a near-death experience. For two days as I was drifting in and out of consciousness, I even figured out my, my parting words that I wanted to tell my wife and, and text my children. It was pretty bad. Before you start to feel sorry for me, though, I have to tell you that it turned out to be a pretty powerful experience as I began to feel a little bit better. It's like I could feel this warmth growing inside of me, like the sun was rising again in my heart, and I just became so appreciative just to be simply alive and well. Even this morning, it's like 12 degrees outside. But I know the sun is up there somewhere. I'm so excited just to be here this morning. Sometimes we have to go through something difficult in order to really appreciate the good things. Amen? Kind of like the first quarter of the Chiefs game last Sunday. Right. Well, hopefully by now, everybody has a copy of this survey. By the way, for anybody who is listening to this message on the radio broadcast or through the website or through our podcast, I'm going to be putting a copy of this up on the website under the pastor's blog so that you can follow along. Also, in the newsletter that just went out, there's a copy of this as well. If it's okay, I want to just jump right in together this morning. During the years that I spent as a chaplain at Valley Hope, I had the opportunity to work literally with hundreds of people, all of whom were in the very earliest stages of recovering from addiction to drugs and alcohol. As you can imagine, it was a pretty challenging ministry. One of the most challenging things about it was how brief the window of time was that we usually had to work with patients. Years ago, the average inpatient stay was about a month. These days, mostly because of, of what insurance will and will not pay for, 
the average stay is closer to about 12 days. And so we really had to make the most of our time together. And our goal was always to, to help our patients establish as strong a foundation as possible. That way, when they went back home, they had something solid to build the rest of their lives on. In the program of recovery, that means steps one, two, and three. That's the foundation of the whole thing. Everything else is just is what we build on top of that foundation. First three steps in a nutshell, program of recovery. Number one is that we admit that our own power is limited and that uh, we haven't necessarily done a great job of running the show. When I say running the show, I'm talking about managing our own lives. So the first step is just admitting that my, my own power, my own resources are limited, and that, again, I haven't necessarily done a very good job of running the show. The second step is, is I come to believe that, hey, maybe God could run the show better than I could. And the third step is when a decision is made to actually let God run the show. That's it. Succinctly put, first three steps are, I can't, he can, and I'll let him. Everything else is built on that. Now, those first three steps actually happen to be a part of the inspiration behind the first three questions that we'll be looking at in our time together this morning. They're not identical, but definitely inspired by these three very fundamental, very foundational concessions. Now, hey, if there's anybody here this morning and you've already tuned me out and you're thinking to yourself, man, this doesn't have anything to do with me. I've never struggled with addiction in my life. Can I just say one thing? If you are a human being, and by that I mean to say imperfect, ever struggled with anything, this morning's message is for you. Because what we're talking about today, I mean, these are universal spiritual truths. This is stuff that any of us can build our life on. This is for everybody. Amen. I want to invite you to go ahead and take uh, your hand out. Just want to point out a few things very quickly. The first is the title at the top, A 2020 Vision. This is more than just the title of this survey. It's more than just the title of this sermon series that we are now in the third week of. This idea of a 2020 vision refers to a number of people in our church, number of leaders in our church, uh, members, people who have made a commitment to seeking God's guidance and direction over these first few months of a new year, a new decade, seeking God's vision for us. And it's one that I would invite and encourage every single person to join in on. The second word here is survey. 
And this is not intended in the sense of an opinion poll. It's more like that, that instrument you sometimes see people looking through, mounted on a tripod, on the side of a highway, those surveyors, those developers, as they're, they're trying to get a, the lay of the land before they begin to build something. That's really what this is more about. The next thing, those few words in the parentheses, really indicates who we are inviting and encouraging to be a part of this. And this is individuals. So the questions we'll be talking about, again, this morning, just talking about the first three. Next Sunday, we'll be talking about the rest of this survey. But our hope and our prayer is that, that individuals will walk through this. And then also even, even families, ministry teams walking through this together as we continue to seek God's vision for us this year. The next thing you'll see is a brief outline of instructions. If you are one of those people who don't like to be told what to do, you can call them suggestions, call them whatever you want, but I think they'll help us walk through these first three questions. It simply says, hey, these are important. You know, take your time as you walk through each of these. And finally, answer these honestly. And so this morning, really, again, just want to talk about these first three questions. And next Sunday, we'll pick it up and we'll talk about the rest. So the first question this morning for us to consider is this. Very simple. Do I believe that things can be better in 2020 than they were in 2019. The key word in this question, of course, is believe. I mean, that's why it's in bold. That's why it's underlined. And here we're talking about, I mean, just accepting the actual possibility of an idea, right? And this is an important part of any uh, process when it comes to bringing a concept to reality. Think about the Wright brothers at Kitty Hawk. If they didn't believe that people could fly, very likely they would have never taken all of the necessary steps to make that happen. One of the most powerful practices in the program of recovery is the celebration of sobriety birthdays, whether it's 30 days or 60 days or a year or 30 years, it's so important because it shows newcomers that you can actually do this brand new way of life. We can believe it because we see it with our own eyes. Our journey of faith begins with belief, doesn't it? Belief in the grace and the goodness of God, and then we we put those beliefs into action, and then the result for us is faith. Experience for ourselves with the grace and goodness of God, having relationship with him. But it all begins with belief, doesn't it? We'll come back to that in just a moment. For now, I want to keep moving. Question two says, do I want things to be better in 2020 than they were in 2019. Now, this question might seem a lot like the first one, but it's actually very different. I mean, it is one thing to believe something is possible. It's quite another to actually desire its coming to pass. 
I mean, this happens in churches all the time. Members talk about how, uh, you know, we believe that we should grow. We want to get new people in the church. But then we, we show up on some Sunday morning and somebody we've never seen before is sitting in our pew. I mean, lining up our desires with God's desires is also an important process and really an underlying question at the heart of this one. Do we really truly believe that God's plans are better than ours? I mean, that they are good because if we truly believe that, it makes it so much easier for us to want what God wants. I mean, that's one of the best prayers I've ever come across. Simple prayer. God, I want to want what you want for me. An important part of the process. So once we come to believe, right, that I mean, change, that growth, improvement is actually possible, once we come to a place where we actually want our circumstances to change, we're left with the third and the most important steps, which is, I mean, action. This is always, always where the rubber hits the road. Our third question this morning is all about action. It's this, am I willing to make changes, to invest in making things better this year? Again, this is where the rubber hits the road. This is where true change occurs and things actually become reality. True for us as individuals, true for us as families, ministry teams, and also as a church. In the end, it comes down to putting our time and our treasure and our talents where our mouth is. Amen? Now, there are, there's a thousand stories in the Bible that wonderfully illustrate exactly what we've been talking about together this morning. I mean, this three-part formula of belief and desire and action. But this morning, I want to just pick up where Pastor Brad left off last week with the story of the Exodus, when God delivered his people, the Israelites, out of slavery in Egypt and eventually into the promised land. Now, before we jump into that story, and we're going to move quickly here, just two things I'll say about these three parts, belief, desire, and action. The first is they don't always happen in that order. A lot of times they do, but in our story, the order is actually a little bit different. The second thing that I would say is that, I mean, it always works best when we have all three ingredients. But at the end of the day, there is only one that is absolutely necessary. And it's action. That'll make more sense in just a moment. Could we begin with just two short verses? Exodus 2.23 and Exodus 3.9. Now, pay attention because there's actually going to be a little test in about 30 seconds. Don't worry, there's only one question. Hear these words. It says, during those many days, the king of Egypt died. Of course, there was another one that rose up immediately afterward. But it says, the people of Israel 
They groaned because of their slavery and they cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. In Exodus 3.9, it says, And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come up to me. This is God speaking here. He says, I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. So here's the question this morning, because I know you were paying attention. Of the three ideas we've talked a little bit about together this morning, belief, desire, and action, which one of those three do you think are represented in the two passages that we read together? Yeah, exactly. Desire. They want, verse 23, it says that they are crying out for help. I mean, they have it pretty rough at this point in history. They are slaves, and they have been for 400 years. They are hungry, their backs hurt, and Pharaoh is even killing their children. In this story, it's kind of a no-brainer. I mean, they want to be set free, don't they? So that's one part of it. What about the next part? Exodus chapter 4, verses 29 through 31. It says, Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel. Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. So just to back up a tiny bit, in the initial conversation that God had with Moses and the burning bush, when God told him, he said, I want you to go to the elders of Israel. I want you to tell them about this conversation that we are having right now, and I want you to lead them out of slavery. And Moses brought up a pretty good question. He said, well, what if they don't believe me? And so God gives him three little signs that he can show the people. The first one is that the staff that Moses carries, he places it on the ground and it, it turns into a snake. And then he says, well, grab it by the tail, and Moses does, and it turns back into uh, a staff. The second sign that he gave him to show the, the elders of Israel was he said, take your hand. He said, take your hand and put it inside your robe and then pull it out. And so Moses did it, and he looked at his hand, and it was covered with leprosy. And then he said, put it back in your robe, and he does. Pull it out again, and his hand was clean. Amazing. The third sign that he gave Moses to show the elders was, he said, go get a few drops of water from the Nile, place them on the floor, and watch. They're going to turn to blood. Now, isn't it amazing how God, I mean, he, he meets us where we are. These are really just, in the big picture, they are parlor tricks compared to the incredible things that God actually wants to do for them. But it's a part of helping the people believe. It says, and we'll go back to the passage we started together, Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses, and he did the signs, the ones we just talked about, in the sight of the people, and the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel, that he had seen their affliction, it says, 
they bowed their heads and worshiped. So we've seen in this story how the Israelite people, they desired, they wanted to be set free from slavery. We see how they come to believe that it's actually possible. And this brings us to the last one this morning and our passage of scripture. Exodus chapter 12, verses 31 through 39. And this happens immediately after, immediately after the last of the 10 plagues are delivered upon Pharaoh and the Egyptians. You remember that? So here's what happens beginning in Exodus chapter 12, verse 31. It says, Then the Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go. Serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. The Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading bowls being bound up in their cloaks on their shoulders. So they, I mean, they grab the bread, the dough, while it's right in the middle of rising, and they place it in their pockets. And it says the people of Israel had also done as Moses told them, for they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they let them have what they asked. Thus, they plundered the Egyptians. That's such a cool part of the story. It says, here we're in verse 37, it says, And the people of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. A mixed multitude also went up with them, and very much livestock, both flocks and herds, and they baked unleavened cakes of the dough that they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not even leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. There are so many things we could talk about in this passage of scripture, but this morning there's really only just one that I want to mention, and it's this, is that when it is time to go, it is time to go. Right? I mean, when everything has been lined up perfectly by the Father, and He said, It's right now. It's right now. And if I were one of those Israelites, I mean, cozy in my bed, and I, I, hear, I hear everybody getting worked up, and they say, You know, get up. We're getting out of here. I probably would have thought to myself, Are you serious God I mean we've been here for four centuries and we gotta go now it's in the middle of the night but our passage of scripture tells us 
This is exactly when it happens, right in the middle of the night. The Israelites, they're not packed. They're not prepared. They don't know where they're going, do they? They can't even see where they're headed because it's still dark outside. But when it's time to go, it is time to go. Amen? And think for a moment about how different this story would have been if the Israelites would have hesitated, even for a moment. I mean, they barely made it to the edge of the Red Sea as it was. If they would have hesitated when God called, the entire story would be different. Action, that is the essential ingredient in this story. Because without it, even when God lines everything up, it doesn't happen. Belief is reassuring, isn't it? Our consent, our desire, that's a nice bonus, isn't it? But at the end of the day, action is the one that makes all the difference in the world. Think about six, it says 600,000 men, plus women, plus children, plus some other people who just decided to come along as well, it is difficult enough to try to get 400 people to agree on the same thing. Can you imagine a million plus people? There were probably quite a few of those Israelites who maybe they didn't actually believe, maybe they didn't actually want to go, but still they took action, they went anyway. Now we don't know, the, the, the passage of scripture doesn't tell us this, whether there were some folks who stayed behind. There may have been. What I do know for sure is that if there was anybody who stayed behind, they died as slaves, and they missed out on the God-sized vision that God had for them. Just one last illustration of this, and I mean, it's Moses. Think about it for a moment. Go back and read the story. It's entertaining at certain points. Moses really did not want to do any of this. He didn't want to do it. We don't even know if he believed all of this stuff, but here's the thing is that he did it anyway. And through his obedience, God changed his heart. He changed the desires of his heart, and he caused him to have belief. And as a result of his obedience, not only was Moses blessed, but I mean, millions, we are still blessed today because of his obedience. You've probably heard the saying before, we don't think our way into a new way of acting, we act our way into a new way of thinking. Sometimes we have to follow God before it makes sense, right? Pretty amazing story, isn't it? The way that God delivered his people out of slavery in Egypt. I mean, and at the end of the day, it was their obedience, was their willingness to take action that got them out of slavery in Egypt. There is one last part of the story, though, that we just have to remember. It's, and it's kind of sad, but it's true. It's that out of the one million people plus who were led out of slavery in Egypt, only two of the adults actually made it into the promised land. 
Caleb and Joshua. I mean, the people, all of them, they got to the very edge of the Jordan River. They could see the promised land with their own eyes. But they decided that, that they were going to stop. They hesitated. They paused. Even though they had seen all that God had done, the plagues, changing the heart of the Pharaoh, parting the Red Sea, feeding them through the wilderness. But because they paused, because they stopped, they missed it. Pastor Brad mentioned this in his message last week. They probably regretted that decision. Probably pretty quick. But they missed it. They missed it. I believe, I believe that, that our church finds itself at a very important moment in our history. There will never, ever be another moment exactly like this one. I believe that each one of us are at a very important moment in our own history. And because of that, this morning, I want to encourage us to believe in what the Bible tells us, that through Christ, all things are possible. I want to encourage us to seek a heart that lines up with God's desires for us, to want what he wants for us, because his ways always are higher than our ways. But most importantly, I want to encourage us to be a people of action. Even when we get the call in the middle of the night, even when it doesn't make complete sense and we don't know exactly where we are going. Belief, wanting God's will, taking action. I mean, these are spiritual truths that we can trust. These are truths that we can build our lives on. I absolutely believe that God, he will reveal his God-sized vision to us because we are intentionally seeking it. And his word says that when we seek, we find. My prayer for us is that we have the courage to follow where he leads us when he shows us the way. Even if it means somebody sitting in our pew on Sunday morning. I want to encourage you during this week to spend a little bit of time with those three questions. And then bring your survey back with you next Sunday as we're going to get into a little bit more of the specifics about how we really can seek and discover God's vision for our lives. Will you pray with me? God, thank you so much for the people who have gone before us, who have chosen to believe in you. Lord, to want the things that you want and to be obedient. Help us, Lord, to do the same so that we can step into and experience the God-sized vision that you have for every one of us. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.